with our study of Christ of the book. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. And we are locating, we're finding Christ of the book. This morning, we're going to look at Hosea. The book of Hosea. How I wished every believer would read this amazing book in its entirety. Uh, it's a powerful plea. Powerful plea for repentance. It is an extraordinary insight into God's faithfulness and God's love for his people. Uh, it demonstrates his devotion to his people. Uh, Hosea is an extremely, extremely important book that we need to understand. The message contained in these 14 chapters is so relevant today. As we observe our society, as we observe our culture basically going down the tubes, it's important that we understand that our society today is headed down the same path, the same path of rebellion, the same path of gross sin that the nation of Israel went down. Uh, there are so many similarities. There are so many types. And it is worth our understanding as we go through the Old Testament, as we go through these different prophets as they spoke the truth to this nation. It's a path that leads to destruction. It's a path that led to ruin. And it's a path that leads to judgment. Judgment. And America is going down that same path for the exact same reasons that Israel went down. When you look at first. Uh, first, uh, first John chapter 2, verse 16, it talks about the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, gratifying the flesh, the ego that's involved, what we see in our nation is exactly what drew Israel away from the true and living God. The sins that so easily beset Israel, we are facing we are experiencing here today. For Israel, their overwhelming sin was worshiping false gods of stone and wood. Today, folks, man worships the false god of himself and technology. I've got to tell you, technology is quickly becoming that which people worship. And that is so very dangerous. I know, I know, I know that we are in the dispensation of the grace of God. I know that Hosea was written to the nation of Israel and to Judah. I understand that. But the same sins that tore at the heart of God, I think still tears at the heart of our Almighty God. And we need to recognize those sins. I think that we still need to recognize that what we're facing in this nation, right has become wrong, wrong has become right. You say, Pastor, are you going down that path again? Well, it's happening all around us. People need to be sounding the alarm. 
Good is now being put for evil. Evil is being put for good. Light's being put for darkness. Darkness is being put for light. The same sense. And what's interesting about that is, is when while Hosea was, was preaching in Israel, Isaiah was preaching. He was a contemporary. Isaiah was preaching in the southern kingdom of Judah. The same message And it's Isaiah that says, woe to those people at the same time. Woe to those people. And I think he was referring to both Israel and Judah. He was referring to God's people. Woe to those people who put light for darkness and darkness for light. And that's what we are facing in our country today. Right has become wrong and wrong has become right. And do you know what that does to you? who stand on the Word of God, not only does it make you a laughingstock, but it makes you a target. Hey, I don't mind being a laughingstock. They've been laughing at me for my accent for years. That's, a, that's beside the point. But it makes you a target because you've become the enemy because what you believe, there is a strong contingent that believes that's a lie. They believe that it's evil. Did you ever think we'd get to the point in this nation where we pledge our allegiance to this republic under God? Would ever get to the point where it would be so confused and so, dare I say, demonic in their decisions and their behavior? The stern warnings that Hosea broadcast to Israel needs to be broadcast to this nation. The expectations of God that Hosea heralds to that nation needs to be broadcast today. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, if I were offered the job to speak to our nation, if they were to call and say, hey, could you give the State of the Union address this year? What would I say? I'll tell you what I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that the state of our union is good. I wouldn't even go there. But what, if I could speak to this nation, what would I say? Number one, I would tell them that the consequences of sin is dire. That the consequences to denying and ignoring God's word is serious. The first thing that I would, I would talk to them, the, this nation about is I'd make sure they'd understand 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21. But I'd make sure they'd understand that, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new, a new creation. That old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. I want people to know that Christ Jesus can save you to the uttermost. And that verse 20 talks about the fact that, that we are those that are, are in Christ, why, we have been reconciled to God. I would tell the nation, you've been reconciled to God through the finished work of Christ. Isn't that good news? Isn't that glorious news? I'd make sure that I'd start out with saying, I've got some good news, and here it is. Jesus saves. Christ is the answer. That would be the first message. And the second scripture I would go to 
is located in Hosea. I would have them turn to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. I think this is so relevant, not only in Israel's day, but in this nation's history right now. Again, I know this was written to Israel, but folks, pay close attention because there's something that we can, should, ought to learn and apply. Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no more priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Oh, Lord, say it's not so. Please, dear Lord, say. But that was the condition Israel was in. Why? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let's define that knowledge. It's important that we understand the knowledge that God was talking about there. It has nothing to do with E equals MC square. Let me tell you. It has nothing to do with the unbelievable unbelievable amount of knowledge that we are acquiring each and every day around this world. I think I shared with you several uh, months back that up until the 1900s, men, knowledge increased every 100 years, or doubled, uh, knowledge doubled every 100 years. After World War II, knowledge started doubling every uh, 25 years. Today, knowledge doubles every year. What we knew last year, it has doubled. But here's what they're saying. This was the report that I read just last night that they are predicting, and this comes from IBM, I think. IBM is talking about this, and it was a report, uh, I think it was IBM, Probably would be good to get my sources straight, but if anybody wants to know, I'll find them. I'll find it. That they are predicting that knowledge is going to start increasing or doubling every 12 hours. Every 12 hours. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a lot of learning. But that's not the kind of learning that this Word of God is talking about. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, if it's talking about human knowledge, why, we're getting a whole bunch of that. What knowledge are they talking about? The Word of God. They're talking about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of God's Word. They've forgotten the Word of God. Proverbs 29, 18. Now, we've talked about this many times, but that fits in this whole program. Proverbs 29, 18 is also talking about that. Where there is no vision, 
the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. What is that verse talking about? Let me tell you what it's not talking about. It's not talking about somebody having a vision and, and having a, a, a plan for the future. You know, if you don't plan, if you don't have a, a vision for your future, why you're never going to uh, uh, attain that, that, that position and that wealth and, and you're, you're not going to accomplish the things. If you don't have a vision for it, this vision is God speaking. Where there is no vision, where the word of God is not, where God does not speak, where the prophets do not utter the words of God, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's what that verse means. Where there is no word from God, the people cast off restraint. Nothing prevents them from doing the evil, wicked, where right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. Isn't it interesting that in Psalms 119.11, God's word says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, it's God's word that we know in our heart that whenever that temptation, whenever that, that trial, whenever that difficult situation comes, that those choices, those decisions, whenever they present themselves, it is God's Word that leads us and guides us and directs us. And if it's not in our heart, then we may make the wrong decision. Here's what we need to understand, folks, that evil lurks in the heart of man. We found this out this past week, didn't we? And not only was what this man did just beyond evil, it's so tragic and heartbreaking. How people want to use it for power, political positioning, that's evil also. Evil lurks in the heart of man. Rebellion is, is bound up in the heart of man. And I say this in all sincerity, and we're going to get to Hosea in just a second, in more detail. But it concerns me. I would even say it frightens me, but God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I can't say it frightens me, but I've got to tell you, it concerns me. That the world is accepting behavior that is idiotic. It's idiotic. And it seems the more insane, the more weird that it gets, the more the world stands and applauds and, and embraces. I, I, I don't know what to call it, weirdness or sin. It's both. But when the world stands and applauds some guy, that, some kid, because they're not sure of their, agenda, their, their gender, and they're going that direction, and the world thinks, oh, isn't that sweet? 
No, it's not sweet. It's not sweet. It is so dangerous. And when the world, when the world starts arguing over the life of a precious baby, and they even, I knew this was going to happen. But now they're even saying abortion up to a year. Anybody else heard that? What in the world are we thinking? Evil works in the heart of man, and it's all because of who the God of this world is. Who do we think is pulling the strings? It's the same one that the same one that pulled the string in Israel, Samaria, as Hosea preached to the children of Israel. It was Satan. It was the enemy who hates God, who hates his people, and I guarantee is going to do everything to lead us astray. That's just the way he works. The crazier it gets, the more the world applauds. Rights become wrong. Wrong has become right. And my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge of God's word in his churches, in his families, in our lifestyle, that's where the problem is. Just as it was in Israel, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In Hosea 4.1, the prophet warns the people, don't go down this path. Don't do this. In Hosea 5.1, he warns the priests who weren't really legitimate priests. They weren't of the tribe of Levi. He just let any person that wanted to hold that office, they, they weren't God's priests. They weren't from the tribe of Levi. But he warns the priests and he warns the rulers, do not go down this, this path. But you know what part of the problem was? Look at Hosea 4, verse 7. We read verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look at verse 7. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. As they were increased. Now, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how the northern kingdom Israel, they were strong militarily. They were prospering. And why is it when nation starts, starts prospering, they think, I don't need God? Or one of two things. They either think, and churches are kind of guilty of this too, as they're prospering, they don't think they need God as much. Or, look how I'm prospering. Boy, God must really love me. So I must be doing what he wants. And they slip further and further away from his word. Both are extremely dangerous. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. You want to know what's happening, happening in this nation? Read that verse again. That's what's happening here in the country that we all love so much. They refused to give God the credit. They gave it to false gods. Here in America, they give the credit to themselves. 
for the prosperity, for our strong military might, they give the credit to themselves, and that's who their God is nowadays. Boy, how could God be so patient? How can he be so long-suffering? It's because he's such a God of mercy and grace. And I praise his name for it. So Christ in the book of Hosea. Turn to Hosea chapter 1. Hosea chapter 1. In the book of Hosea, Christ is groom or the faithful husband. That's who he is here in the book of Hosea. That's what it's all about. We know exactly when Hosea started because in Hosea 1.1, he tells us when he was, when he was prophesying. Go to 2 Kings chapter 15 and those kings are listed. You go to 2 Chronicles uh, 28. It's all the same period of time. And that's, that's when Hosea goes. You go and you look and see what all was taking place there. This is when Hosea is, is heralding. This is when he's preaching. This is when he's proclaiming these truths is during this time. And he calls the people to repentance. He calls the, peop calls the people to turn from their evil way. He preaches for 72 years. 72 years Hosea preaches for them to return back to God. But the kingdom is crumbling. The kingdom is swirling. It is going down the drain. Jonah has already gone to Nineveh. Nineveh has already repented. They're sharpening their swords. Hosea and Micah are preaching to the northern kingdom. You have Isaiah. You have uh, uh, others down in, in, in Habakkuk. And, and you're going to have Jeremiah. You're going to have all those in the southern kingdom warning them, saying, don't do what the northern kingdom has done. These prophets are gearing up and God is speaking through them and teaching them. And here in Hosea, there is such an interesting truth that God uses Hosea and his harlot wife as an illustration. In Hosea chapter 1, we find that God tells Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. You know what Gomer is? A prostitute. Gomer is a prostitute. God is saying to Hosea, you're going to marry her because she represents Israel, you're representing me. And just as she goes after strange lovers, Israel has gone after strange gods. And Hosea is presented as the faithful husband, as that groom who is loyal and faithful. And Gomer represents the sin of Israel and going after strange, strange lovers. It's an intense tragedy. Have a one-sided love and faithfulness on Hosea's part. And you have Gomer as a harlot. Israel is married to God. And God is demonstrating, Israel, I am your husband. But you have many lovers, many false gods that you worship. 
and I will not tolerate that. Gomer runs after other men. Israel runs after strange gods. The development of the book in, in chapters 1 through 3, it talks about the adulterous wife and the faithful husband. Chapters 4 through 9, it talks about the adulterous Israel and the faithfulness of God. The first chapter is all about Gomer and the children that she bears to Hosea. And their names are extremely indicative of God's plan and what's going to happen. The children that are born to Gomer and Hosea, I think, tell the story. The first son that's born to them is Jezreel. Jezreel, his name means scattered. His name means scattered. The whole plan and purpose for Israel and Judah to be a nation of priests. And God gathers them in their own land and He blesses them and they are light to the Gentiles and all the blessings that were to come. But Israel, you have left God and your children are going to be scattered. Make no mistake. It's not an error. It's, it's not a coincidence that, that when Peter is preaching in 1 Peter, he addresses the tribes of Israel as scattered. They're scattered. They still haven't come back. When James addresses the children of Israel, the tribes of Israel, he addresses them how? As scattered. See, the promises of God in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and look at the clock, we don't have time to get there, but let me encourage you. In Jeremiah, it talks about God's plan. When we get to Micah, we'll go into it because Micah represents Christ as gatherer. That's, that's who Christ is in Micah. He is the gatherer. That's the promise to gather them all together. In Ezekiel, it talks about God's plan and purpose and promise to gather Israel back together. There's hope. And that's part of the prophets were to say, here is the danger, here's the road you're going down, there's doom, there's destruction, there's judgment, but all the faithfulness of God. All the faithfulness of God. You can trust in Him. There is judgment, yes, but there is restoration coming. As He calls out faithful Israel. I don't think it's a coincidence that our Lord Jesus Christ Luke chapter 13 said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks? But you wouldn't come. They were scattered. They were scattered. In fact, it says, use the word scattered, describing the nation of Israel. God the first child here, his name is Jezreel, which means scattered. The next child born to them is a daughter. Her name is Lo Rulamal. Lo Rumalal. Her name means no compassion. No compassion. God is saying, that's it. You keep going after strange gods, 
this is what's going to occur. And you know what occurs? The third child is born. The third child, his name, he's a son, is Loami, not my people. So the first one born is scattered. The second one born is no compassion. The third one born is not my people. And he makes it clear and he makes it plain. It's pretty frightening when you think about it. But this was God's word. God was reaching out to them. He was calling out to them. He was sending his prophets to tell them the truth, to speak the truth. The last thing they needed to hear was all sweet nothings. Because I'm sure you don't speak sweet nothings in the ear of a prostitute. And that's what was happening. And God was saying, I'm not going to do that. But chapter 2. Wow, what a powerful, powerful chapter. Chapter 2 of Hosea. God makes a promise. And here's where we find Christ is that faithful husband. Please understand, this is important. The church, number one, is not spiritual Israel, okay? I mean, the church, what does it have to do with what he's talking about? I'm getting ready to tell you. The church is not spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel is part of the prophecy and plan of God concerning the kingdom. The church is the body of Christ. It's got its own program, own plans. Israel is earthly. We're heavenly. The, earth, the church is not spiritual Israel. The church is not the bride of Christ. The church is not the bride of Christ. Who is the wife of God? Israel, Israel is the wife of God. Look at Hosea chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, it's talking about Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor for door of hope. And she shall, she, she shall sing, that's tough, she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And in that day shall the Lord that thou shalt call me Ishai and shall call me no more Baalah. You will call me your husband. Look at verse 19. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. And I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. Hosea says, what the Lord says through Hosea, Israel, I'm going to allure you. I'm going to gather you and I'm going to take you into the wilderness Again, because they came out of the wilderness. 
And just as you loved me in the wilderness, just as you depended upon me in the wilderness, just as I won your heart in the wilderness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you into the wilderness again. And I'm going to love on you. I'm going to protect you. And you know what we have in the book of Revelation? In Revelation chapter 12, we have Israel rushing into the wilderness, into the area, Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 41, talks about how the Antichrist is not going to be able to pursue Israel into the wilderness. There's an area that the beast is not going to be able to go into. They're not going to be allowed to go into. And is that the, Israel goes into the wilderness. In, in Revelation chapter 12, the earth causes a flood and the earth protects Israel. That's what that scripture is talking about. God is saying, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you into the wilderness. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to cause you to fall in love with me again. I'm going to protect you because I'm your husband. Is what's going on here. God is saying, I am the faithful. I am your faithful husband. You know what's interesting? Look at Isaiah 54. Isaiah is... He's preaching to Judah, but he's also warning Israel. Look at Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, look at verse 5. For thy maker is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall be shall he be called. So who? For thy maker is thy husband. Can it get any clearer than that? Look at Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62, verse 4. For thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hezabah. What's the word Hezabah mean? Wife, and thy land, Beulah. What does the word Beulah mean? Married. For the Lord delights in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall thy son marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. It's the whole point of Hosea. Warning. Warning the nation of Israel. Unfortunately, Israel receives from God a bill of divorcement. This, you are no longer my people. That's pretty important that we understand that. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 8. And I saw when all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not and went and played the harlot also. Look at verse 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you 
one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Verse 20, Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. Serious, serious things going on here. But the promise of God in the last days that there is going to be a marriage feast. It's going to be a marriage feast that Christ Jesus is the groom, that Israel is the bride. Revelation 19. Turn to Revelation 19. Look at Revelation 19. Verse 7. Christ is returning. This describes the battle of Armageddon. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. You go into the Old Testament, Israel is the wife of God. Revelation 20 tells who the bride of Christ is. Look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, adored as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talk with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. It pretty much settles it once and for all. Hosea is comparing Israel as the adulterous wife. Hosea is God, the faithful groom. And all of these years, God has been calling Israel back to Himself. Well, up until... They rejected in Acts chapter 7. That's a whole other sermon. But look at verse 9. There came unto me one, the seven angels, which had the seven vials full, the seven last plagues, and talked with me, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he goes on to describe things that are connected with the nation of Israel from the twelve apostles to the twelve tribes. All about Israel. But here's the good news, folks. Where does the church fit in? If we're not the bride of Christ, and we're not, if God's word means anything, Israel is the wife of God. We are part of the bridegroom. We're going to be at that wedding, but we are you ever gone to a wedding and people, you usher ask you, friend of the bride or friend of the groom? And so whichever side of the church you sit on, well, guess which side we sit on? 
We sit on the side of the groom. We are part of the groom. We are part of the body of Christ. That's who we are. Yes, we participate in that marriage feast. Yes, we play an important role. But our role is as the groom, as someone who inherits everything that Christ inherits, we inherit. We have a relationship there also, but it's not as the bride, it's not as the wife of God. It's in Him. What a glorious truth that is as we contemplate. You read Hosea and you see the call. You see the typology. You, you see what God is, is pleading with His people. to come back and to understand that relationship. And that relationship is critical. But we even have a closer relationship as the church, the body of Christ, part of the, the groom. We're part of the bridegroom. And I hope you are this morning. I hope you know Christ as your Savior. I hope by faith you've trusted Him and that the, by that acknowledgement that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, you've, made, you've been placed in the body of Christ. You've been sealed there to the day of redemption. You are part of that groom. And as you read all of these things that the, that the prophets were, were saying and concerning the, the relationship between God and Israel, you understand during this time, during this dispensation, the grace of God, God has, they're low emmy. They've been set aside. God is working through you, church. God is working through you as part of the groom. It's your time to take that stand, to take that message of who you are in Christ and not get confused by thinking that you're the bride, that you're the wife, because you're not. As you study the book of Hosea, where you see the adulterous wife and the faithful husband, what he points out to you is the long-suffering and patience of God. As you see the sin that Israel was committing, you recognize that as you turn your news on, as you read the newspaper. It makes you wonder, how much longer is God going to tolerate this? How much longer is God going to put up with the sin that is just absolutely so rampant? How much longer? I don't know. But I tell you this, His mercy is renewed every morning. And when we've been there 10,000 years, we're still going to be talking about His amazing grace. Because He is faithful. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I don't have the relationship with God as being wife. I have so much higher calling. It's part of the body. In Him. Wow, what a position. What a position.
God could tell Israel, I'm giving you a bill of divorcement. Judah, get your act together, or you get a bill of divorcement. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, because I'm in Him. Let me encourage you to take this study and don't just believe what the preacher says, but you delve, you study, you become the Berean that God would have you to be because there's so much more depth, there's so much more excitement into what's, what's going on. Ah, when you get a chance, uh, Hosea 13, verse 16, the, God's judgment it's disturbing what God says through his prophet. But then Hosea 14, 1 through 9, is unbelievable as God in his mercy promises restoration. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are that we can study your word and we can see that restoration that, that is so real. For the nation of Israel, oh, Father, they played the harlot. Father, they went after strange gods. You are a jealous God, but they chose to go after strange gods, yet you're still going to restore. You're going to bring them together. You're going to gather them together. Not because they deserve it, but because you are so faithful. You're so loving. Father, then I think of the restoration that you've brought about in my life and every other person's life here. That, Father, the relationship we have with you can never be destroyed, can never be separated because we are in Christ. Sealed into the day of redemption, we are part of that Glorious groom. That's our position. Father, we thank you for that. May we see clearly that truth. Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's never trusted you as Savior, they'll not leave this building without talking to someone about what your word says they must do to be saved. And that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, they don't have to know every doctrine. They don't have to be able to even quote any scripture. But Father, they just have to believe that you died for them. That you paid the debt they owed. That Father, eternal life will be theirs from that moment on. We thank you for that plan of salvation. Father, I'm thankful that I don't have the same relationship with you that the nation of Israel had with you. Father, they're low Emmy. They're not your people. They have been set aside. They have been blinded. Father, you're working through your church, your body. And may we be faithful workers. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.